Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. This day, uh, we're calling befriending ourselves or making friends with ourselves, um, which also is a, a great gift to everyone around us and the world, really, the way I see it. Um, it's so key. It's so essential in our, not only our spiritual life, but our life in general, that we can have a healthy, um, loving relationship to ourselves because the more we can get in touch with who we really are, with our true nature, the more all the gifts that we've been given, been given shine through. And um, I want you to know that I'm talking from experience as both somebody who knows what it's like to not like yourself very much and that it's actually possible to learn to transform all the things that get in the way of obscuring who you really are to see yourself in a whole other level and, uh, and actually not only accept yourself, but like yourself and even love yourself. You don't have to have too high a bar if that seems remote today, but uh, it's just facing in the right direction and you will um, just keep on walking uh, and deepening um, in, uh, in that development and that transformation. And everybody around you benefits. So this is what we're gonna be doing today and we'll have times of meditation, of quiet time, of turning within and we'll also have um, explore different topics in presentations and experiential exercises and reflections uh, talking about um, first looking at the things that get in the way and and developing opening to um, holding them with compassion and forgiving ourselves and then um, moving the next step to loving ourselves and even sharing our gifts. So we hope that you um, enjoy the day and, and find it useful. And even more than uh, us being here together for these hours uh, can take it out into your life. And hopefully some of these practices will be, um, will be supportive for you. So what we want to do uh, to start is have some quiet time, some meditation time, and I'm going to um, lead us in a, in a um, meditation with a little bit of guidance, uh, first of just um, being kind to ourselves on the meditation cushion or chair. Um, this is one of the most direct ways to make friends with our mind. It's a very humbling thing if you are new to meditation or even if you've been doing it for a long time to see 
how your mind operates to see all the thoughts that come through, how challenging it might be to pay attention to a simple thing like knowing you're sitting here and breathing, to uh, the various uh, judgments and negativities that come through. This is part of the meditation process. And if you take it personally, it can be extremely um, discouraging. But when you're meditating, the idea is that, that I hold anyway, is one of the Buddhist teachings where he says, in this fathom long body, all of life is revealed. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the path leading to the end of suffering. This is your laboratory to understand the human experience. And so the key is to not take personally how your mind wanders, where it goes to, the thoughts it creates. It's all just happening on its own. It's just nature moving through you. And there's an awareness that can hold that. So we'll be quiet in a few moments. And, and just the, the one thing I want to um, encourage you as you're looking at the wandering mind is um, the key moment in this practice, the way I see it, is the moment that your mind, that you realize that your mind has wandered. While it's gone, there's not much you can do about it. You are gone. Maybe for five seconds, 15 seconds, five minutes, but while you're gone, you're gone. But when you realize that you've been gone, you have some choice how to relate to that fact. One very common um, response is frustration and discouragement. Oh, darn, there's my mind wandering again. Let's get back here and do this right. And when you have that attitude, you're just getting more caught up in judgment and frustration and discouragement, maybe with a little bit of awareness thrown in. That's not the recommended response. Another very common uh, response, when you see you've gone, oh, but this is a very interesting thought. Let me just go with this one for a little while. And you've gotten hooked on your thoughts and you are gone. So it takes some willpower to not get seduced by the thoughts, whether they're wonderful thoughts or creative thoughts or uh, disturbing thoughts. They're just coming and going on their own. Not recommended. The recommended response, which I hope we can practice now, when you realize that your mind has wandered, instead of frustration or judgment, appreciate that you've just come back to the present moment. That's the idea in this meditation, to just be here now with what's happening. And when you appreciate that, 
oh, here I am back again. Let the return be done with great kindness and patience and just begin again. And if you can bring it back each time in that loving way, that's all you need to do. If every time you bring your attention back with kindness and patience and just begin again, you are training your mind and you're training having a healthy, kind attitude with this mind and not taking it personally. Okay, so with that in mind, um, like you invite you to come into a sitting posture that you can be reasonably at ease and still. And first, get a sense of yourself connected to the earth. We'll sit for about, oh, 15 or 20 minutes now, just so you know. And feel the earth, the earth which is holding all of us, connecting all of us, and get a sense of groundedness in that. And then since we're all here together, I invite you to take a moment to feel a connection with uh, right now um, about 200 people. Um, we're all here sharing the moment together because we value this. And then let your awareness turn within and tune into this body and this mind and this heart and consciousness called you. You might take a few deeper breaths and breathe in a calming energy. Let it fill you. And then as you breathe out, let go, release, relax. And then let the breath find its own natural rhythm. Let the breath breathe you. And this can be a place that you can always return to whenever you're lost or scattered, just sitting here knowing that you're alive, breathing. Whether you notice at the nostrils or the belly or the chest or the whole body expanding and contracting. Just know that you're sitting here breathing. You don't have to block anything out. You can let your mind, your awareness be open and spacious. And if other things call your attention, 
sounds, the sound of my voice or the sounds where you are, or sensations in the body if they call you, or if you're feeling a, an emotion that's strong, and just let that be recognized and acknowledged. And if you notice, if you notice thoughts coming and going, just let them come and go. And whenever you find that you've gone, let yourself come back in a very loving way. And once again, notice what's happening now with kindness and presence and open receptivity. What's happening right now?
If you notice your mind is wandering, bring it back very kindly and gently and begin again.
in the last few minutes of the sitting, let the mind be at ease, relaxed. If it wanders, don't take it personally. Just bring it back and once again be here with kindness and presence. Let yourself come out gently. And when the meditation ends, let go of any judgments about how it went. Oh, I was sleepy or, oh, my mind was all over the place or, hey, I think I'm pretty good at this, whatever. There, it just was what it was. So no need to take credit or blame. Just feel good that you put some time into just being present for your life. Okay. And with that, uh, giving it to Eve for the next piece of this program. All right. So this day is about befriending ourselves and this energy that we were just working with mindfulness is a really powerful ally in befriending ourselves because mindfulness by its nature is kind awareness. It's, it's paying attention non-judgmentally and that in itself is a superpower 
of um, self-care and self-befriending. Anytime we bring a kind, non-judgmental attention to anyone, we're bringing this energy of friendliness. So we've already started with this practice of uh, bringing in care to ourselves with a mindfulness practice, very powerful. And the Buddhist tradition has all these other beautiful practices, tools, medicines to support us in really deepening an authentic friendship with ourselves. And one of these uh, powerful practices is the practice of compassion. And so I want to be talking with us a little bit right now and practicing with us um, about self-compassion. Um, but first, in this moment of uh, bringing awareness to mindfulness and self-compassion, just touch into your body. And if you need any kind of adjustment or stretch, because you just did a 20-minute city practice, just let yourself do that. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the quintessential self-befriending questions is what do I need right now? <laughs> what do I need right now? So you can kind of touch in throughout this day and 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 certainly for forevermore with this question, what do I need right now? And then when possible, offer that to yourself, practicing being our own wise mentor, our own ally. So um, the self-compassion um, teachings that I'm going to bring to you this morning come from the work of Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, who created a whole curriculum that's very beautiful. There's a book, there's several books called Mindful Self-Compassion. And we would just get a little taste of it today, uh, powerful, but little taste of it today. And if you're interested in it further, there's, as I say, there's quite a bit online about it. There's books, there's, there are classes. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. I've done the teacher training in it. And it is sourced in Buddhist teaching. So the practices, mindfulness and compassion, appreciation and equanimity and Various practices all come from the Buddhist teachings, but they've been made modernized and there's a lot of science behind them now and it's really quite wonderful. So I wanna talk a little bit about what is self-compassion? Like, how do we break it down? Like, it's one thing to put those two words together, but what does it actually feel like, look like? Um, so it has three components. Mindful self-compassion has self-kindness and common humanity, or just knowing that we're not alone with whatever it is we're going through. So self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. And so I want to talk just briefly about them, and then we'll do some practices. <sighs> so treating ourselves with kindness or self-kindness, care, understanding, and support basically means treating ourselves exactly as we would treat a dear friend. No different. And that's a, a beautiful aspiration and it's also something we can practice to realize over time. Most people treat themselves more harshly than they do their dear ones. Often in between our own ears, we can be cruel or 
say things to ourselves that we would never say to others. So self-kindness means learning to treat ourselves with care. And I'm going to read part of a poem um, from Galway Canal that speaks to this. He writes, the bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it's lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. And so when we're treating ourselves with kindness, we're asking ourselves, what do I need right now? We're bringing in care. We're reteaching ourselves our own loveliness. So many of us have been conditioned to hold ourselves with a critical eye. And not that there's any problem with discernment. Discernment is necessary, but there's no need for for meanness. And so many of us have internalized and habituated just straight up meanness. So we're reteaching ourselves our own loveliness with the practice of self-kindness. The common humanity piece is really, we have a habit as human with human minds to think that we're somehow alone in our struggles. And we simply never are. Like no matter what we are each going through, no matter what the stress, the pain, the discomfort, the worry, the fear, the grief, no matter what it is, there are millions of others who are walking that same path at the same time. And it really helps calm down our limbic system to remind ourselves that we're not alone. As mammals, it really frightens us to believe that we're alone with suffering or stress. We need to know that we're connected and common humanity is that connecting energy. We see our imperfections and our suffering as part of the larger fabric of how it is to be human. (laughs) instead of seeing it as some kind of weird, chronic, unique problem that only I have. So there's self-kindness, there's common humanity, and then there's mindfulness. And mindfulness is simply knowing what's happening for us in a given moment. Again, can't overemphasize the value of mindfulness. It's a superpower. And if you notice with your mindfulness as you're being aware of yourself and your environment, if you notice negative judgment coming in, you can turn your mindfulness towards the negative judgment. We often so quickly fuse negative judgment with what we're perceiving. And, And if you're noticing negative judgment, that's actually not the mindfulness. Mindfulness is simply the energy of awareness, of warm, kind awareness. So when you notice Negative judgment coming in can turn up thinking, up judging, up judging. (laughs) Mindfulness does not include the negative judging. So mindfulness helps us know that we're suffering when we suffer. And then it gives us a choice about how we respond. So instead of kicking into our automatic pilot of, Uh, you know, getting mad at ourselves for being stressed out or tired or whatever's going on. We can have mindfulness name, oh, wow, you know, 
I'm really anxious right now. Or, wow, I'm feeling depressed. Or, wow, my foot really hurts. And with mindfulness, we just name it. And then we get to have that choice point that mindfulness allows us. And rather than going into the self-critical or the, or the uber productive forge ahead, no matter what, we have a moment to say, what do I need right now? Bringing in self-kindness. So they all, they, they roll through each other, mindfulness, self-kindness and common humanity all work together. So those are some of the, those are the three elements of self-compassion. And now I'd like to lead us in um, a couple of brief practices. And I'll be leading them in this, you know, style of meditation where we're, we're being contemplative, but these are actually practices that you can use anytime, anywhere, quite quickly. Um, and if you would like to hear these practices again, um, you can find them at selfcompassion.org, Kristen Neff's website. So we're going to be working with um, soothing touch and also with what's called the mindful self-compassion break, mindful self-compassion break. Okay, so... As again, as, as animal beings, we, we evolved from, from animals or mammals. There's certain, um, certain universal mammalian signals of care. One of them is tone of voice. We use how we, the how we use our voices has a huge impact on people around us. And how we use our voices inwardly, how we're speaking to ourselves has a hum, huge impact on our own nervous system. And then the other that's a universal signal of care among all mammals is safe and supportive touch. And there's been um, a lot of evidence in the scientific research that safe supportive touch is a reliable way of expressing kindness and compassion. And a simple body gesture like putting a hand over the heart can influence how we think and feel. It's very powerful. So we're going to try a practice with this now. There's different, there's you know different possibilities, and and we're each unique, and so whatever there can be different ways to practice self-touch that might feel supportive to us. And we're just going to practice with them now a little bit and see if anything lands for you. So I'll be leading us through a series of gestures to discover where the experience of touch is genuinely soothing or supportive for you. So for this practice, I invite you, if it, if it supports you, to fully or partially close your eyes so that you can connect with your inner experience. Okay, I'm just gonna try out some different forms of supportive touch. Beginning to by trying having the palms gently pressed against one another. And I have them here in Namaste, but you can have them in your lap or wherever they feel most comfortable. Just sensing in. 
Now moving with one hand cupped in the other. So again, it can be in your lap if it's more comfortable. And just feeling those sensations and noticing how they land for you. Moving to two hands over the heart. Cupping one hand over a fist over the heart. This comes from Aikido. It's a form of both, it's, it's a symbol of both love and strength. Feeling that. And trying just one hand over the heart. And now letting that hand just gently stroke the chest or go in small circles, like kind of a soothing, caring movement of the hand. See how that feels. And then having that hand on the heart and add another hand over the belly. Notice how that feels. Moving two hands on the belly. Try putting one hand on the cheek. And then both hands cradling your face in your hands. Crossing your arms and giving yourself a gentle hug. Gently stroking your arms. And lastly, cupping the hands in one's lap. All right, now take some moments to explore 
soothing or supportive touch on your own for another minute, moving towards the ones that maybe resonated the most, most as you were trying them out. And just re-experiment and see if you can find one that, that actually works. And if it, if you know, there, if you went through this practice just now and you didn't find anything that worked, it's all right. There can be other ways that we can soothe or support ourselves in the moment. Sometimes petting a dog, taking a hot shower, drinking warm tea, sitting in the sun. There are other ways. But if we can find a way that's right accessible with hands, that can be helpful. All right, beautiful. So we're going to move right into the second mindful self-compassion practice. This is called the self-compassion break. <clears throat> so your hands, you can continue to explore or feel, you know, bring supportive touch, or if you want to just release your hands, it's fine. So this practice is taught here as a reflective meditation, but it, you know, over time, it can be used in, in a moment in daily life. <clears throat> All right. So once again, close your eyes partially or fully if that supports going inward. We're going to be bringing in the components of mindfulness and common humanity and self-kindness in this practice. So to begin, think of something in your life that's mildly to moderately challenging. Not a big problem. We don't want to overwhelm ourselves as we're first learning the skill of self-compassion. So choosing something um, on a scale of one to 10, you know, below five or six, if possible. A situation in your life that is causing you stress, maybe a, a problem in a relationship, a work problem, or a manageable health problem. And allow yourself to see, hear, and feel your way into the problem to the extent that you experience some uneasiness in your body. Where do you feel it the most? Make contact with the discomfort that you feel in your body. Then say to yourself, slowly and clearly, 
this is a moment of suffering, or this is difficult, and that is mindfulness. Other options include, this hurts, ouch, or this does not feel good. Bringing mindfulness in the direct moment to difficulty. Next, say to yourself again, slowly and clearly, suffering is a part of living. That's common humanity. Other options include, I'm not alone, or me too, or others in my community would feel a lot like me in this situation. And now put your hands over your heart or wherever it feels supportive, feeling the warmth of your hands. Say to yourself, may I be kind to myself. May I give myself what I need. That's self-kindness. And if you're having difficulty offering yourself self-kindness, imagine that a dear friend or loved one is having the same problem as you. What would you say to this person heart to heart without giving advice? If your friend were to hold just a few of your words in their mind, what would you like them to be? What message would you like to deliver? And now can you offer the same message to yourself? All right, beautiful. I'm going to ring a bell to end the practice and take a moment to just settle in and see what you're noticing. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to close this this practice with one more poem. This is Wild Geese from Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. 
You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clear blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. All right, so I want to take some some moments now um, to invite, if you have any questions, to put them in the chat, and I will respond to as many as I can. I'm just going to go for about 10 minutes. questions or any anything you want you noticed about the practice um what it was like What about a self-inflicted problem, self-inflicted type of suffering, harder to avoid judgment? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, um, Self-inflicted, harder to avoid judgment. Yeah, well, we have these minds and they have, um, they have, we have habits, conditionings, things that we learned and took in and then integrated into a sense of self. And some of these habits don't serve us. But, but even those kinds of habits deserve to be held with curiosity and kindness. So if I have, say, an addiction, you know, an active addiction, um, I have a better chance of healing from the addiction if I can hold that whole experience in care and compassion rather than holding it with harsh criticism. The studies show that harsh criticism actually inc- aggravates or increases the pain, which makes sense because nobody criticism doesn't feel good to anybody, including our own nervous systems when we're offering it inward. And so, you know, I, I encourage us to experiment with, if we have a, a really strong belief that self-criticism is our only way out of pain, and it's hard to put down that belief, I invite us to experiment with bringing in self-compassion and see what happens with it. Um, yeah, start small and, and just try it and see, see how it works for you. Thank you. Okay, when you invite us to talk to ourselves as we would a dear friend, what if calling to mind this example is difficult? Yeah, then you know, you can find, we'll be working more with loving kindness through the day. Um, but it's fine to bring to mind a beloved animal, somebody, you know, just finding a being that, that 
um, a child, you know, um, even somebody we don't know personally, but who we respect and admire from a distance. Um, finding, finding a being that we can get a little bit of access to that, the momentum of the loving heart can really help with that. And also the, the reason I brought that, that um, practice in was because it sounds like somebody's unmuted. Check your mute status, folks. Thank you. Um, um, we brought it in if it's really difficult to, um, to bring compassion to yourself. But if it's not difficult, then there's no need to do that practice. Meditation for grief and loss that we can use. Yes, um, grief and loss in particular. Also, self-compassion is really helpful for that. And um, there may be, there definitely are more practices. Um, but why don't you send me an email offline about that one? My email is info at um, And some of the practices we're going to be using today will address grief and loss as well. Beautiful, I'm just seeing great comments. A question, it's amazing how I would give the support to a friend, but for myself, I just give speeches on how I need to improve. How can I make it more automatic to have compassion on myself? Automaticity comes with repetition. So all good habits, including the habit of self-compassion, will come by making the effort of practice. So we've had this, this, this practice just now, we'll have practices for the rest of the day. And after today, you may feel some momentum of practice. Use that momentum to, to establish a daily practice. And the self-compassion part of it doesn't have to take a long time. As I said, the, the mindful self-compassion practice can go quickly, but we just need to make it familiar. Like I think about when a little child is learning to brush their teeth, <laughs> they don't want to do it, but their parent gets them to do it every day and then it becomes habituated and it's the same with any good habit. So that's how we, that's how we have our old habits of, you know, um, self-criticism and then to, to establish the new habit is, is about daily practice. Titles of the poems, um, Wild Geese by Mary Oliver and St. Francis and the Sow by Galloway Canal. Okay, just a couple more. What if I've never met or heard about anyone with similar loss? How do I keep in mind others growing through the same thing? There's a saying, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and even if I don't know anybody personally who's had my particular journey, and we do all have our own unique journeys, still at any moment, 
there are so many others who have something similar, if not exactly the same. And even if I don't know them personally, I can trust that they're out there. The human experience is more common than we realize. And definitely the experience of loss is more common than we realize. There's a story in the Buddha suttas about a woman who comes to the Buddha in despair that she, her only young son has died. And she asks him to bring her young son back to life. And he says, he will do that for her if she can bring him a mustard seed from anybody anywhere who hasn't experienced loss. So she goes through the whole village and the whole town knocking on everybody's doors and discovers that every single other household has experienced devastating loss. And this is true for us too. So even though we may not know anybody with our precise story, there are others with enough parallel that their emotions are the same. So having some trust in that in order to feel not so alone. Oh gosh. So um, I'm going to, I, we have to stop now and there's so many more comments here. So um, I'll look at them at the lunch break and um, and if there's some of them that I can address more, I will. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, and my email address is info at evedecker.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for that. And turn it over to James. Thanks, Eve. It was beautiful. As, as somebody said, besides the, uh, the words, your energy and transmission uh, comes through too. So um, thank you for that. Mm. So um, I'm going to turn off the chat for a, a little while. Um, I'll put it on again later, but uh, just want to focus on what I want to share and not get too distracted. Um, so um, the self-compassion is, is such a, a valuable tool whenever we're getting dysregulated, no matter what the, uh, the stimulus. Um, so it's always good to know you can't overdo this and just kind of being able to comfort yourself like you would a dear friend. This is, like we said, making friends with ourselves. I wanted to explore with all of us when there are things that um, either we've, we've done or how we hold ourselves that compassion uh, doesn't quite do the transformation. It's important to hold the feelings, but uh, I want to talk about forgiveness now, which is a, a profound and essential piece of learning to make friends with ourselves, loving ourselves. Um, growing up, as I, I said early on, um, I did not really like myself a whole lot. And I winced in the mirror uh, whenever I'd look for almost all of my childhood up through um, uh, my teens. It was only 
my late teens and early 20s that I started to see there's another possibility. I grew up with this idea that um, somehow before I was born um, that I was picked by mistake and it was supposed to be the, the soul right next to me on the shelf that the God or right-hand assistant came and I was an imposter. I was a fraud. And if I was found out, I'd be sent back. This is a recurring vision that I had in my childhood. Maybe you've had your own version of being an imposter. There's a great book, The Imposter Phenomenon, that was helpful for me for that. I read many years ago. And uh, anyway, this this is so prevalent. It's so so interesting how we can feel um, understanding and accepting and inclusive for people that we know that are close to us. Of course, there's the whole other dimension of of people who are other than us that our society is starting to wake up to the the great pain that comes from that. But people who we who we know and love, who are are close to us, um, who have their flaws and their humanness, um, if you if they've touched your heart in some way and they're your friend, you don't expect them to be perfect, do you? If you do, you're in trouble. But uh, when we when we love somebody, we uh, we see the whole package and, um, and our love and our caring is enough to hold all of the, the foibles. So this was a process for me, but it's so essential to see that there's a goodness inside and not only is there a goodness, but there's something inside that is rooting for us. This is sometimes overlooked. When we think about it and we think, you know, oh, I just don't like myself or I'll I'll never learn this one. Look deeply. It's not so because there is something in you that is rooting for your well-being really in every moment. It might be misguided. It might lead to self-destructive habits and certainly self-destructive thought patterns. But if you look, whatever you do, and you don't take my word for it, this is an invitation, is motivated generally by the, the idea this will make me feel a little bit better or this will make me feel a little less bad. As I say, it can be distorted. It can be misguided and we can do self-destructive things thinking, oh, this will make me feel better to hurt myself or to, um, to abuse substances or to, uh, to lash out in anger or whatever it is. But going down deeper to see something in you really wants to feel good or feel less bad. 
And then it's just a matter of getting in touch with what truly will lead to genuine happiness. That's the key. But starting with the fact that you really do want to be happy. Anybody here that doesn't want to be happy? And if you are somebody that's saying, well, yeah, if he, if he really knows me, I'm somebody that likes being grumpy. Well, if that's you, that's just your way of being happy. So whatever does it for you, but you really do want well-being. And certainly, even if you're here for this, uh, for this day, uh, you're, you're seeing, you're motivated for, for greater well-being. So the important part in this process, or one important part of this process, is forgiving ourselves for all the ways that we're not perfect or fall short with our ideas and opinions and comparisons with, with others. Mm. This is a, actually, let me read this one. There's a, a poem that I'll share here now that I love from one of my uh, favorite poets. Her name is Dana Falls. Uh, I'll put it in the chat box and uh, afterwards. This is called Awakening Now. And when uh, she uses the word beloved, she's talking about life, about it in the, in the uh, uh, Sufi sense, the beloved. Okay. She says, why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Would you hold back when the beloved beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled? No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect. And surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep. And my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails and the refrigerator isn't clean. Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. I'll read that last part again. Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. 
This is the day of your awakening. That's Awakening Now by Dana Falls, F-A-U-L-D-S. Maybe I'll just put it in. Um, Awakening now. So how to go about this? How to go about this self-forgiveness? Forgiving ourselves for being just who we are with all of our imperfections. There's a line I love from um, the third Zen patriarch, Verses on the Faith Mind by Sengstan, who, um, uh, who says, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. To live in the highest realization when you've really arrived, when you're truly free and liberated, is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. So how can we forgive ourselves? Robert Bly, the wonderful American poet and uh, translator of uh, Kabir and, and other great works, he says, every part of ourselves that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. Every part of ourselves that we do not learn to love or embrace or accept, one could say, will become hostile to us because those are the flaws that we focus on and miss out on all the goodness. And so we need to let go of our perfectionism and learn to embrace the whole package. Just like if you're with a child, if you have children, then you know this, you know, sometimes they can just be radiantly joyful and other times they can be in the middle of a tantrum and there's a part of you that says, oh gosh, you know, why now? Or, oh, I wish they'd calm down. But if you are a good parent, which I have a feeling most people here at least aspire to be uh, and, and want to be, you, you don't say, oh, I'm not loving my child now because they have a tantrum. You embrace the whole package. That's what children teach us, not just loving kindness, but compassion for their pain and delight in their joy and equanimity that can find some balance in holding it all. You don't say that child who's having a tantrum, stop it now, relax. You might want to, of course, but if you're yelling to them to relax, that generally doesn't work. What is your child need needing to be held? And I'm, I'm thinking of when my uh, when when our son, uh, our youngest son, my younger son Adam, who's now 34, when he was very young, he was um, um, he seemed to have a, a meltdown most every day, uh, 
until he was about maybe four or so. And he, then, then uh, he started to find ways to soothe himself. But we go through this little ritual together um, and he'd get dysregulated. And I'd say, do you want me to tell you the people who love you? And he'd kind of, in his better moments, nod. And I'd hold him and I'd say, mommy loves you and daddy loves you and grandma loves you and aunt Susan loves you. And it just go on and on. And he would just start to melt. We are all little boys and girls in big bodies when we get activated and we need exactly the same whether it's about our thoughts that we're believing or our uh, flaws that we, that we see when we look in the mirror or whatever thing about ourselves that we can't accept, that becomes the big flaw for us. And as I as uh, Eve was just saying, repetition, this is the key. And I, I said earlier on that, you know, I, it took me a while to learn this. I, it's kind of when I thought about teaching this day and, you know, and uh, teaching and sharing with all, all of you, uh, I looked back in my life and thinking, gosh, if somebody could have told me that I'd be teaching a day on learning to make friends with yourself or loving yourself in my, when I was 15, I probably would have said, no way. I, I don't think that's possible in this lifetime. And I'm again here to tell you it really is possible. And it starts by seeing you are not to blame for all the patterns that you've developed or what life has given you. You are just an expression of life, a unique expression that has never been just like you before. And to learn to accept and embrace the whole package. And I think I want to lead you through a, a one um, forgiveness practice that perhaps can start to point you in this direction. So I invite you to uh, quietly, uh, you can put down your pens or uh, anything you write with, and let's just try this, okay? Because when we judge ourselves for our shortcomings, how we think we're not good enough, we're just adding additional pain to the situation. The shortcoming might be bad enough, but the judgment on top of it makes it much worse. So I want to give a bit of a guided practice that hopefully can hold yourself in a larger context. Okay. So I invite you to gently close your eyes if you'd like. And first I'll, we'll explore forgiveness towards this body and mind and heart who we are. So first tune into 
this body that life has given you. And tune into the amazing gift that it is. Tune into your heart beating throughout your life and pumping blood and nutrients to nourish yourself and keep you alive and your nervous system that responds to the world, your muscles that move you around, your immune system battling against invaders continually, your brain that makes sense of the world and can create and, and solve problems, your digestive system that knows how to transform food into energy and eliminate what's not useful. Tune into this body, this gift that you've been given And in that context of appreciation, there are things that perhaps if you had your way, you would make a change, straighter hair or curlier hair or a different bone structure or height or whatever, all of those things make you uniquely you. But within those preferences, tune into how amazing this body is that you've been given and how it supports you. And with that, perspective of appreciation. Forgive the ways that it doesn't match your ideals. It's you. Like when you go into a forest, you probably don't say, if only that gnarled tree was a little bit straighter or that short one a little taller or that tall one sticks out too bad. You just let every tree be just the way it is. And start to take some moments of appreciation for this amazing body. And forgive for it being just human. To live without anxiety about non-perfection.
See if you can forgive it. And appreciate it. And now turn towards this mind, this amazing mind. Go a little bit deeper into how it serves you creatively, reflectively, making sense of the world. One of the most complex things known to humans, the human mind with trillions of actions happening all the time. Billions of synapses firing away. And with that perspective, when we get caught in certain thoughts, they're just rep repetitive patterns that activate some contraction and cause upset. Simply habits that have been practiced And with a, an attitude of appreciation for this amazing gift you've been given, this mind, see if you can forgive the ways that it gets confused and stuck or caught because it doesn't know any better. Just like you'd forgive a child that didn't know any better. If you like, as you're doing this, you can add that element of uh, that from the self-compassion practice, if you'd like, and you might find it helpful to just put a hand, a loving touch somewhere, whether it's on your heart or, or somewhere to be gentle with yourself. And finally, we can go to the heart or at least that emotional palate that's part of the human experience that allows us to care, show kindness and love and joy and many other wonderful, wonderful feelings that are part of being human. Life has gifted you with this.
And within that, there's also the full range of being human. Confusion, fear, worry, anger, other unpleasant emotions that are all part of being human. We all know these. And with that perspective of appreciation for having a full range of feelings, forgive yourself for the patterns that have been practiced that you can fall into and then judge. What an amazing gift you've been given in this life, this body, this mind, this heart that serve you so well, wanting your well-being. And then finally, the last part of this practice if self-judgment is a challenge for you, as it is for so many, for most of us, just ask yourself, what do I need to forgive myself for? You might have your own particular places that you fall short in your eyes. my sadness or my worry or my pettiness or whatever. Just what do you need to forgive yourself for? And imagine someone else filled with self-judgment about whatever it is that came to your mind. And they truly wanted to be more kind and conscious and wise. Would you be able to forgive them for getting caught or lost in their patterns and confusion? What would you need to understand in order to truly forgive yourself? And then let the wisest and most compassionate part of you forgive that confused little one inside that doesn't feel good enough or that not feel that they're enough and 
just let yourself feel the wholesomeness of that forgiveness and compassion. And if you're not able to get there, if you could only wish you could forgive, that's okay. Tune into the wish because that's wholesome in itself. I wish I could forgive. Oh, there's something that's rooting for you right in there. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So if you'd like, you can put in the chat box anything that you might have gotten in touch with in that, uh, in that uh, reflection or exercise, uh, any kind of wisdom or any kind of perspective, anything that you understood or got in touch with, you can share it. And while you do, and we can, uh, we can hear people's responses. We just have a few more minutes in this. I want to read to you a, a, a passage that I love. Um, it's in Jack Cornfield's book, um, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. Um, and this is about a tribe in Africa, the Babemba tribe. In the Babemba tribe of Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, they are placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in their lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All of their positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts 
for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. Pretty good tribe to hang out with, wouldn't you say? If you hadn't heard that before, were you wondering, what are they going to do to this, this guy? Oh, my goodness. And then when you hear that, doesn't it make sense? Oh, they just forgot their goodness. They just needed to be reminded, like, uh, like the Galway Can Canal poem, just reminded of their loveliness. And that's what our practice is as well. When we start getting down on ourselves, we just have our mind focused in that direction. But when we can start to see and remember and tune into our goodness, it's held in a much bigger context. And it's all about repetition. I'm here to tell you, you get a glimpse and then you start developing more and more, just looking for the good inside of you. And the more you look for it inside of you, the more you'll bring it out and the more you'll actually also start to look for it in others as well. So um, we'll have time for questions um, after, but uh, let's, let's look at some of these forgiving myself for being afraid of commitment. It's okay. Forgive, forgive of some patterns of anger and speech. When I learn to forgive myself for not being perfect, it's easier to forgive others for their imperfection. Just look at these. All the wisdom that's coming right from you, causes and conditions aren't personal forgiving my hypervigilance in attempt to control, looking for the good. You have the wisdom inside of you. It's just inviting it out. And as I like to say, all of your beautiful qualities are yours and not yours. You were given them from life. You can't take credit for your unconditional love or your joy, but you can celebrate how it comes through uniquely just through you. So that's truly loving the whole package. And uh, we're going to get more into that um, this afternoon as we get into uh, not only working more with the, the judging mind, but also loving, really loving ourselves. So it's uh, almost time to uh, break for lunch. Um, we're going to take a take an hour for lunch, and we we thought that uh, before we did, um, we would <clears throat> give you some information uh, and um, explain some um, logistics and things that uh, we're we're doing to follow up on this. And I, I'm so, first of all, also, I want to apologize for the Zoom link stuff. And I see there's about half the people who registered for this day that aren't on. So um, 
I'm so sorry and sorry for those who uh, had trouble getting on, uh, but we're recording this and, uh, and so we can have it available, at least parts of it for, um, uh, for you. And we can send, send that out uh, to you. Um, but we wanted to give you some information and um, um, Eve, maybe if you share the screen um, and let's see if it's, it's a bit small, but hopefully you can see it. First, I wanted to, um, as many people know, um, these teachings, we offer these teachings freely. Uh, this is how I've been teaching for um, over for 40 years now, uh, offering these teachings on retreats and uh, whenever I can um, in, in classes. And, um, and so we were able to give this uh, day at free of charge, which is such a good thing with Zoom. There's no, no overhead for rental and stuff. And this is how uh, Eve and I both support ourselves in our teaching. So if you want to make an offering, what's called dana, or in, in uh, Pali, uh, the word generosity or giving, we are going to split these. So you don't have to worry about what's her, what's to Eve and what's to mine. Uh, the PayPal is insightberkeley1 at gmail.com. The Venmo, we're using Eve's at Eve-Decker, and there's the last four digits of the phone. Uh, if you want to write a check, you can make it out to me, uh, put the day long in the memo, and there's my address. If you like, you can take a screenshot of this uh, so you don't have to capture it all now. And we also, we want to invite you to some of our events, our Thursday night, every week, our Thursday at 7.30 to 9. Um, and there's the website, insightberkeley.org. And uh, as I say, we, every week, Eve or I are there, or we have some guests. April 8th, uh, I'm going to be uh, at the... Um, on the evening with uh, my dear friend, Sylvia Borstein, a beloved uh, teacher who will be there with me. And Eve will probably be there as well and uh, maybe offer some music. Uh, so come and join our Thursday night. It's, we sit for a half an hour and then there's a, a talk and, and discussion. And I have a couple of upcoming events I wanted to let you know about um, for con a conscious men. Oh, try to mute yourself if you can. Uh, conscious men uh, on uh, conscious men's gathering on Sunday, May 9th. Um, there's the Eventbrite link, um, and uh, probably best to to take a um, to take a shot. This is all, by the way, going to be on that Insight Berkeley calendar, InsightBerkeley.org. And I'm going to be leading another day long uh, through Chicago Insight in, on equanimity, July 17th. Um, and again, it's no charge and Donna offering. And again, you can find that on the insightberkeley.org insight uh, um, website. And Eve, you have um, some things you, you might want to share. Yeah. With yeah. Thanks, everybody. Um, 
So um, in addition to the Thursday night Sangha with James, um, I have, which is, you know, awesome. And I hope you'll come to that. If you happen to be a person who likes just singing, singing and meditating, I have a Tuesday night regular ongoing drop-in Sangha on Zoom, freely offered, donations welcome. And, um, and then that's called a sit and sing circle. And then um, I'm offering, I offer ongoing classes and coming in May is a, a class in wise speech, um, a six week class. And then um, offering a day long on uh, May 8th, a day long retreat from 10 to 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific with an artist. So we're gonna use mindfulness, loving kindness, music and creating art together on Zoom. And we'll help you get ready for that um, as a way to deepen in well-being. So those are all available on the calendar page of my website with more information um, if you're interested. Yeah, that's it. Great. And her website, uh, evedecker.com. Uh, the, 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 there was a question uh, about the password for Thursday night. Uh, it's actually this, uh, this link and this password. However, you can just go to the uh, Insight Berkeley website and it's right there on the homepage. Um, and if things change or the website changes, uh, you can, uh, it'll be there on the website. We also send out a weekly uh, announcement of, of what the, uh, the topic and the, um, uh, who the speaker is, and you can sign up and get that for um, uh, on, on that, our website page. And I think we'll put everyone, oh, that's another thing. We'll put people on the, on the mailing list for our Thursday group or and our teaching activities. If you don't wanna be on the mailing list, just unsubscribe or, or, or let us know. Um, so let's see, I think that's, that's it. Um, I'm gonna stop share, but we'll show this again later if, you, if, you, if there's anything you wanted to write down. Yeah, uh, and uh, please consider us on the other side of the pond uh, who wanna join live, the equanimity uh, day long is going to have exactly the same hours as will the the men's uh, uh, the men's day long uh, have these uh, be at ten o'clock anyway. It's not going to be a day long. That's going to be just an hour and a half. Um, so, my goodness, we made it under uh, we made it in time. That's amazing. Um, so, um, so we're going to take an hour for lunch, okay? And what I would encourage you to do in the theme for the day, which is another way of saying, keeping looking for the good instead of what, uh, what's flawed or what you wish were different. You know, as you're eating your lunch, if, you, if it's time for you to eat lunch, if you're on the other side of the pond, it might be uh, dinner or late, late, uh, late snack. Um, appreciate how life has given this food to you in front of you and taste it and appreciate that you have taste and smell and a consciousness that can appreciate it and a digestive system that can digest it and turn it into energy 
appreciate who you are and the fact that you can go for a walk and look at the sights and sounds around you and the smells and the breeze on your face and appreciate if you're in the Northern hemisphere um, that spring is here and you can enjoy your day, whatever your, the weather is, enjoying it. And to have a sense of gratitude for life having expressed itself through you in your own unique way. Okay, so with that, we'll, uh, you don't have to leave the Zoom room. You can just stay right here. Um, and, um, and we'll see you at one o'clock. And Eve is going to start with a song too. One of, uh, of my favorite songs about, about loving yourself that's close to my heart. Uh, and then we'll go through the, the afternoon with some more meditation and practices um, in making friends with ourselves. Eve, did you want to say anything? Um, yeah, I see that people in the chat are asking for the Zoom link for this. I just put it in the chat, okay. uh, the manual. I see Liz, you're asking for the link. Um, also, James sent out an email about it uh, right after we started with the Zoom link. So if you were on the Eventbrite, you should have gotten it. But also what James is saying is true. You can turn off your, um, you know, turn everything, turn off your, mute yourself and turn off your camera and turn off your volume and minimize and just keep it in the corner. Hopefully that'll work. Um, and we hope to see you back here. Oh, thank you, Julia. <laughs> Julia just put the actual link in too. Oh, excellent. And it's the same link that's on the uh, Insight Berkeley website right now uh, with, with the passcode. So um, beautiful. Enjoy your lunch. See you back in an hour. See you at one. Um, so glad that uh, you're here with us for the after lunch time. Um, I'm sure more people will be coming on board in the next few minutes. So um, as James mentioned, uh, if you didn't already know about me, I'm a musician. I grew up with a, in a musical family and found as a young child, I found music and singing in particular to be um, a true refuge and much like the science, the recent science around mindfulness, recent science around singing and singing together uh, shows that it really is a, singing is really is a very powerful tool for regulating our nervous systems, for uh, increasing our health and our relational well-being and everything else. Singing is a powerful strategy of self-care. Um, and so I have been using it for my livelihood. I've been a singer songwriter and a music teacher. Um, and also I use it in, I'm a Buddhist teacher and I use it in my Buddhist teachings. I'm also a Jewish song leader. And so Hag Sameach to those of you celebrating Passover, happy Pesach. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, so music is big in my life. It's big in James's life too. We both are big music appreciators. <laughs> and so to bring us back from lunch and, um, and also as an offering in its own right, I'd like to sing you a song that I wrote. Uh, so as I mentioned, I used to sing for um, James's Awakening Joy course. And uh, each of the topics, each of the, there are 10 chapters in the book, uh, Awakening Joy. He's another book, Awakening Joy for Children, 10 chapters. And each chapter or each topic for the class um, has a different kind of portal, a different doorway into joy. And so I've sung for, I think, all the topics over the years. But one year early on, he asked me to sing, uh, come to the class and sing for the topic of self-love, of loving ourselves. And um, I couldn't think of a song that I already knew on that topic. There are songs on the topic, but at the time I couldn't think of any. So I wrote one. I wrote a song uh, about self-love. It's called Simple Truth. And it's about um, learning to put down all of the, uh, you know, critical kind of the, the looking at ourselves through the eye of critical perfectionism and allowing ourselves to be who we are, the simple truth of who we are and the lovability of the simple truth of who we are. Um, and I, I didn't grow up with that understanding. I, I thought I had to be perfect or I wasn't lovable. And it was on a meditation retreat where I understood that the simple truth of who we are is lovable. I was, I was sitting in the retreat hall and I heard the frogs croaking outside. And, um, and I just had the thought, you know, I really love those frogs. And how am I so different from a frog? You know, both the frog and I are, are made of nature. Both the frog and I are imperfect. Both the frog and I are doing the best we can with, you know, the resources we have. <laughs> and both the frog and I are, are, are worthy of, of love and care. You know, these ideas of perfection are really toxic. Um, so I had that experience. And I called on that while writing this song for um, James's class. And then in the years since then, um, I've sung this song many hundreds of times to different groups and in different circles. Um, and even oh, out of that, the experience of really reflecting on this deeply, I created a whole like curriculum of my own, a whole eight-week class uh, called Loving Kindness for Self, which I teach per sporadically, periodically, because it's so important. And um, the Buddha said, one who truly loves themselves could never harm another. And really, um, self-love is, uh, is, is self-care. We often conflate it with narcissism or, or self-aggrandizement or self-absorption, but those are all strategies of people who don't feel love. And, and people who are really caught up in aggrandizement or narcissism or self-absorption often do cause harm. But as many of you noticed when we were doing the self-forgiveness practice with James before the break, as we're able to care for ourselves, whether that care looks like compassion or forgiveness or kindness or appreciation, 
that energy immediately expands out to others. And that's been my experience as well. As I can accept myself as I am, I'm, I'm much more able to accept others as they are. And that's an incredible gift or byproduct of truly caring for ourselves as we are. So um, with no further ado, I'd like to sing for you this song, Simple Truth. choices I can wait for all these voices to tell me I have made it or I can love myself the way I am the way I see it there are two choices try to do it their way or find my own rejoicing music and play been given a responsibility to love myself like I would love a child chaotic wild and turning building bridges bridges burning just as I am to love me Maybe self-hatred protects me Until the day no one rejects me If I reject myself first Your coldness might not hurt as much Maybe if I work harder Try more, do more, faster, longer The day will come When I feel loved by everyone been given a responsibility to love myself like I love trees. Okay, when branches crack and fall, no striving, no have-tos at all. The sparkling green that breathes me just as I am loves me. No, I do not have it all together. I never have, and I never will. And I know that you don't have it all together either, because nothing here was made that way. We're all falling. We're all flying, we're all playing, we're all dying. We've been given a responsibility to love ourselves like we love freedom using courage just to see the simple truth of you and me 
Love looks like humble gratitude, like endless forgiveness. Just as we are, 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 just as we are. The way I see it, there are two choices. We can wait for all these voices to tell us we have made it, or we can love ourselves as we are. Thank you. <clears throat> to love ourselves as we are. You know, that's like one sentence and then it can be a, a lot of practice. But you know, there's, there's a really beautiful way to spend our time in practice in practice deepening with mindfulness, with compassion, with forgiveness, and with loving kindness, practicing to reteach a thing its loveliness, as Galway Kennel says, practicing to learn to love this simple being that we are. Um, so I'd like to take us right into some, some guided mindfulness practice. Um, yeah, this practice will take between 15 and 20 minutes, and um, I'll be speaking, I'll be guiding us somewhat. Um, so begin with a posture that you'll be comfortable in for, for the next 20 minutes or so. And that said, if you notice as we're practicing, if you notice that you need to adjust your posture, that's of course always all right. Remember the quintessential self-compassion question, what do I need right now? <laughs> always applicable. All right. <clears throat> so again, this, this practice will be using mindfulness. And I just want to remind us about, you know, really to understand what mindfulness is and what it isn't. So it's been defined as the energy of paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So again, if you notice judgment arising, negative judgment arising, can, can, you know, note it as thinking, note it as judging. Oh, there's judging, judging. Yeah, okay, judging. And then return to the energy of mindfulness itself, which is this caring awareness. Bringing awareness and care and allowing to our inner experience is important for cultivating self-acceptance and well-being. Ah, so if you like, you can begin with an intentional deep breath to start practice. Feels right, again, allowing your eyes to fully or partially close. And to get us started, setting an intention for this practice and for our afternoon together, you can let these words flow through and see how they land for you. May I allow myself to be as I am just for this moment. May I allow myself to be as I am 
just for this moment. Inviting awareness into your body and feeling what's there in your body. First feeling that you have a body. You have these bodies are always with us. Just feeling it here now. And our bodies speak, they're intelligent and they speak in the language of sensation. So what is your body communicating to you now? You may notice places in your body of ease, places of discomfort, places of neutrality. Notice that different parts of our bodies have different reports. And I'm inviting us all to bring a sense of allowing to whatever we're noticing, kindness and curiosity. Feeling into your posture. What posture are you in right now? Perhaps sitting. Feel how, how does your body let you know that you're in the sitting posture? The sense of the surface beneath your body, the, the bends at the joints. If you're lying down, you can see if you can have a sense of your body from head to toe. And whatever posture you're in, notice and feel the support of the surface beneath you. The chair, or bed, or couch, or cushion, or floor, earth. Feel and sink into the direct experience of being supported by the surface beneath you and ultimately by the earth. This is the direct awareness of grounding. When we say getting grounded, this is it. We feel our body's connection to the earth. And within your relatively still body, see if you can feel the movement of your breathing, wherever that's most alive for you. Can you invite a sense of appreciation for your body for doing this breathing day and night to keep you alive? And notice the air you're breathing is coming from the greater environment. Like with the earth, your body is in a relationship with the air being supported. 
We're always interconnected with earth, with sky. Continuing to invite awareness into your body, into the lived moment. Sound coming and going, different sensations, perhaps emotions, thoughts, a whole lived experience, bringing a sense of allowing curiosity and care. If and when attention wanders away from the present moment, drifts off into thoughts, most important is to know that that's natural and to hold it with patience and care. Then invite attention, warmly invite it to return. The healings in the returning, both in the returning itself and in the way we return with kindness and friendliness and patience. Feeling body, breath, the simple lived moment, just sitting and breathing.
And in these last five minutes of practice, bringing a sense of allowing care. May I allow myself to be as I am just for this moment. Uh, bringing in your awareness to the whole of your inner experience. Body, breath, emotions, thoughts, all sensations, sounds. And see if you can hold this entire inner experience with a sense of care. Both awareness and compassion. You're a being with sensations, emotions, and thoughts. Taking a moment now to just let that be. You're part of the human family 
And this is what we carry, body, emotions, thoughts. Allow this moment to be just what it is, noticing what's here and letting it be. One more time, letting these words flow through. May I allow myself to be as I am just for this moment. May I allow myself to be as I am just for this moment. Thank you for your practice. And again, welcome back. So I'm going to move into um, some teachings and practice on another really powerful tool, practice medicine to support us in befriending ourselves. And that is um, loving kindness. And this could be a good moment because we've just been sitting together to take a Let's take a minute to stretch. If you'd like to stand up, if that helps, or you can just stretch from your seat. Vietnamese Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh said, everyone knows that peace has to begin with oneself, but not many people know how to do it. Everyone knows that peace has to begin with oneself, but not many people know how to do it. We wish for peace, we cherish our peaceful moments, but we don't know how to really cultivate it from the inside because mostly peace is a discussion, a discussion or, or an idea, a philosophical goal. Um, it's also achievable. The Buddha said, I teach suffering and the end of suffering. He said, I wouldn't teach the end of suffering if it weren't possible. And again, we achieve it through practice and we've already been through some practices today, mindfulness and self-compassion and self-forgiveness. Really each, each, each a direct path to freedom in its own right. Well, another one of these kinds of practices is the practice of loving kindness. Loving kindness is a practice that involves using words or language which is very powerful, as well as imagery. And that works for some, but not all of us. Um, so for some people that can be really helpful to visualize beings or visualize ourselves. And uh, its purpose is to really deepen, our, deepen us in friendliness and compassion. And both both loving kindness and compassion are energies of an open heart. 
And what you'll notice is uh, as we bring awareness or attention to those moments, either naturally occurring or through practice, those moments of open-heartedness, you'll see that an open-hearted state is a state of well-being. When we're in a place of open-heartedness, we are naturally in a place of peace, of connectivity, of care. So we have these practices to help us connect and, and just the, there are all of these energies that we're sharing here today and that the Buddha shared are natural human energies. What we're doing is identifying them and deepening them because they're so helpful. This is the quote from Buddhist teacher, Sharon Salzberg. The practice of metta, M-E-T-T-A, metta is the ancient Indian language that means loving kindness. The practice of metta, uncovering the force of love that can uproot fear, anger, and guilt, begins with befriending ourselves. The foundation of metta practice is to know how to be your own friend. According to the Buddha, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who's more deserving of your love and affection then you are yourself. And that person is not to be found anywhere. In other words, we are as worthy of our own love as all the others that we love. We're not meant to leave ourselves out. That's a cultural phenomenon that, that we need to heal from. How few of us embrace ourselves this way with metta or loving kindness practice, we uncover the possibility of truly respecting ourselves. We discover, as Walt Whitman put it, I am larger and better than I thought. I did not think I held so much goodness. So if you're not feeling that right in the moment, then take it on faith. Something that uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says that I like, he says, when I have lost my smile, the dandelion holds it for me. So if you're not yet in a place where you can know your own deep lovability, let me be your dandelion and assure you that you are deeply worthy of your own love and affection, deeply lovable. So this practice of loving kindness is the practice of using language to incline toward the well-being of the open heart. And now the, 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 the ancient tradition in Buddhism is that we go through different, different beings that we send this energy to. And it, we're supposed to start where it's easiest. And in some cultures today, and certainly in the Buddhist time, the easiest place to start was with the self. But in our culture, that's not so. There's, there are stories of the Dalai Lama's astonishment and dismay to learn of the epidemic levels of uh, low self-regard we have in the West. He really, he really, in Tibet, that's not a thing. They have other challenges, but low self-regard is not one of them. Mm. So, Starting with ourselves is not, 
typically, some, sometimes it is. And if that's the case for you, what a blessing. And yay, you go, that's so great. For those of us who it's not the easiest place to start with self, it can be easier to start, as I was mentioning in response to a question before lunch, it can be easier to start with a being that we just naturally like. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to go into a practice, um, maybe 15-minute practice, um, where we'll, bring to, we'll be using these ideas of, of language, well-wishing phrases, and visualizing being. And we'll start with this being that we like, and then we'll bring ourselves in, get the momentum with the other being, and then bring ourselves in. And then, and then work with ourselves a little bit, practicing this inner voice of unconditional high regard, of loving friendliness. That's a really valuable practice. Okay, so please, once again, make yourself comfortable for, for some more practice together. All right, so you can allow your eyes to fully or partially close if it supports you. And remembering that the intention for loving kindness practice is to incline toward well being. And to support that intention, if you like, you can bring your hand to your heart or another soothing or supportive place. Feel the warmth and gentle pressure of your hand and let it convey the general energy of friendliness and care that we're invoking with this practice. All right, so now please bring to mind a being who naturally makes you smile. This could be a friend, a family member, a child, or an elder. You could be someone you don't know personally, but you just like, <laughs> you admire from a distance. It could be an animal, a pet, or a friend's pet, or a bird outside your window. So once you have a being, and if more than one come to mind, for now, just for simplicity of practice, just choose one. And once you have found this being, see if you can create a visual image in your mind's eye or a felt sense of them being nearby or both. And spend some moments now enjoying their company. We're going to send them some simple well-wishing phrases. These are traditional phrases wishing for the wellness of the being. And as we do this, really see if you can imagine these wishes going directly to this being, supporting their wellness. And feel into the importance of your words. 
May you be safe. May you be peaceful. May you be as healthy as possible. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be peaceful. May you be as healthy as possible. May you live with ease. And now adding yourself to the picture. So you see this being and imagine yourself there with them. And we're gonna send these well wishes to both of you, including ourselves in our circle of care. May you and I be safe. May you and I be peaceful. May you and I be as healthy as possible. May you and I live with ease. May we be safe. May we be peaceful. May we be as healthy as possible. May we live with ease. Okay, so now we're gonna let the visual image go, perhaps thanking the being that you've been working with in any way you like before saying goodbye. Letting go of the visual image and inviting awareness back into your body in the here and now. Feeling yourself here in the present moment. And doing this beautiful practice with this beautiful community. We're going to offer these phrases inward to ourselves, inward to our own systems, strengthening this inner voice of the wise mentor, the dear friend, the caring guide, offering it language to strengthen it and deepen it. Sending the phrases inward. May I be safe.
May I be peaceful. May I be as healthy as possible. May I live with ease. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be as healthy as possible. May I live with ease. Taking some moments now to let go of the practice and just rest with your experience as it is, allowing it to be whatever it is and allowing yourself to be just as you are. All right, and once again, thank you for your practice. So I'm just going to um, close this segment with a couple of short readings. This is a, a, a short quote from Benedictine nun, Macrina Whitecher. She says, oh God, help me believe the truth about myself no matter how beautiful it is. And this is a poem from Daniel F. Mead. If you would grow to be your best self, be patient, not demanding, accepting, not condemning, nurturing, not withholding, self-marveling, not belittling, gently guiding, not pushing and punishing. For you are more sensitive than you know. Humankind is as tough as war, yet delicate as flowers. We can endure agonies, but we open fully only to warmth and light. And our need to grow is fragile as fragrance dispersed by storms of will to return only when the storms are still. So accept, respect, attend your sensitivity. A flower cannot be opened with a hammer. All right, so we wanted to, excuse me, We wanted to open it up now to um, further question and answer, and both James and I are available. So um, you can type your questions into the chat. And while you're doing that, I wanted to respond to a few questions that I saw from before lunch. just um, just some logistical things. Um, we are recording this 
day long and it will be available for replay. Um, so if you have to miss any of it, um, it will be here for you. And we do record the Thursday night so talks. So somebody was asking about that. Those are all recorded and available afterwards. Um, James, was there anything you knew you wanted to answer from before lunch? Uh, I, I wasn't looking at the, at the questions. So, you know, we can either uh, have, if there are questions, you can put them in the chat box. We could uh, have somebody, if you want to raise your hand digitally and, uh, and, and ask a question live, we could, we can spend some time that way too. The chat is disabled. Oh, oh yeah, wait, I got to, uh, yeah, I've got to enable it again. Thank you for that. Hold on a second. Yeah, now it's, now it's available. So either if you want to put something in the box or if you want to digitally raise your hand, you would do that um, going to the reactions uh, icon at the bottom and make it uh, and, and raise your hand digitally. What was that last poem? Mm. I'll put it in the chat. So anything that's come up from the from the day. Um, hmm. How to be with deep loneliness. You speak on integrating meditation uh, with our everyday lives. Okay. Eve, do you want to? Uh, sure. So just put the poem in the chat. If you would grow to be your best self by Daniel F. Mead. And oops. And then the question was loneliness. Mm -hmm. How to be with deep loneliness. Oh, yes. So first of all, yes, thank you. How to be with deep loneliness. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I just, first I would bring us back to the components of self-compassion. And one of those com components is, is common humanity. Loneliness is a very, very common human experience. And it's been really exacerbated in the last year. It's, 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 it's an epidemic extreme painful loneliness for, for many hundreds of millions of people. So just remembering that we're not alone and then bringing in self-warmth and self-care as best we can. So remembering that two really useful components of self-warmth are tone of voice and soothing touch. And so really employing like how we talk to ourselves and how we hold ourselves, not um, letting our reactivity or, or self-blame come in to make the pain of the loneliness worse, but really caring for ourselves um, with a lot of tenderness. Um, and then with that question, what do I need right now? Sometimes with loneliness, some interesting responses will come up. Sometimes loneliness can be present and with the answer, to what do I need right now might be take a walk in the sun. With mindfulness, we get more and more a sense of our interconnection with the world around us. 
And so, so getting into nature can sometimes we're still alone perhaps, but getting that sense of interconnectivity with the whole fabric of the universe can help. Thich Nhat Hanh has a state saying, you're loved by the whole cosmos. We can feel that more when we're in nature. So that's, and then, you know, and then the fact that you're here is an incredible, awesome act of self-care regarding loneliness. The fact that all of us are here, each of us has, you know, tended to our loneliness today. So um, simple strategies like basic, you know, like asking ourselves what we need and then the practice, long-term practice strategies of bringing in mindfulness and compassion. Yeah, and uh, along those lines, something that uh, can also address uh, good practice for daily self-compassion and kindness towards self and others. I'll share with you um, what was a main practice of mine for two years. Remember, I said that this is all about repetition and um, early on in my practice, well, it was after uh, my second long um, period of practice. Every year, there's a three-month retreat in Massachusetts. And this is after my second one. And I, I saw how prevalent the judging mind was within me. And I really had to make friends with it, saw that it was a, a crucial step in this whole process. Uh, but I saw, as as Eve was saying, how when I noticed the judging mind, I notice it with judgment, like ah, oh, another judgment. Oh, that was another one. Oh, I just did it again. And you could be adding one layer on top of another. Of oh, there's another judgment. So I saw that it wasn't enough to just recognize the fact that the mind was judging but the attitude that I had towards those judging thoughts made all the difference in the world. And this was many years before self-compassion ever was put into a, a protocol. Uh, this is around 1980 or so. Uh, I did this practice on the retreat and continued it for two years. This was my version, which includes both the, the touch and the tone. So this is what I did. And you can kind of play around with me if, you, if you'd like your, your way. Uh, you can close your eyes so you don't feel so self-conscious maybe. And just notice uh, or think of a time somewhere in your past where you might've had a judging thought about yourself, um, maybe today uh, or whatever it is when you notice, oh, there's that anger or there's that loneliness or whatever. Um, oh, darn it. There it is again. Now, this is what I did. Put your hand on your cheek. And if it feels a little bit funny, you can put your hand somewhere else. But this is what worked for me. And as if you were the kindest, grandmotherly or wise being, the Dalai Lama or somewhere, someone like that, uh, just as you're feeling a tender touch through your cheek, and caressing your cheek, I said to myself, oh, judging, judging, like, it's okay, dear. And hear and feel the tenderness in your voice. 
judging and in that you're bringing compassion directly to the recognition okay you can put your hand down if you'd like that was my main practice for two years both in meditation on, on retreat and at home and i it wasn't like i did this all the time I did it a lot at the beginning just to feel that somatic tenderness. But after a while, what happened, and I, I had a commitment to do it. Every time I'd, ha- I'd realize, oh, there's a judging thought. This is another chance for me to practice compassion. So instead of getting frustrated by the judging thoughts, oh, another chance. It's okay, dear. You practice that kind of relationship with the judging mind. After a while, your body is going to remember as much as your mind. So whatever it works, works for you, maybe it's putting your hand on or thinking of your grandmother holding you uh, if she was a loving grandmother and, oh, yes, it's okay, dear. You want to shift the the not just be aware, but shift the tone and the attitude and realize this is just, just habits of mind that need tending to. Okay, so let's see. There's uh, some others. There are a number of questions asking about integrating the teachings that we're practicing today into a daily practice. And uh, I'm sure you have things to say about that, James. I would just suggest um, start where you are, as Pema Chodron says, and, and see what's possible for you in terms of daily practice. Can you set aside time in the morning or the afternoon or evening? What works for you? For many of us, it's the morning, but not all of us are early birds. But can you set aside some time for daily practice? And then really be honest and and realistic about how much time that might be. So if you have a half an hour, you can, in a half an hour, you can practice mindfulness and loving kindness and forgiveness and self-compassion. And you can do, you know, mindfulness, we know we bring our awareness to the body, do that, you know, for 10 minutes or so. Loving kindness, there are these traditional phrases, you can find them many places, but basically safety, peace, health, and ease. Offer those to yourself. With with self-compassion, you know, a simple phrase like, may I be kind to myself? May I allow myself to be as I am? Or an intention, you know, like, May I hold myself in love? You know, and then, you know, that's your practice. It, it can be a daily practice. So you can incorporate um, the hardest, the two hardest parts of practice are to remember it and then to do it. <laughs> the, the hardest part isn't the content. The hardest part is remembering. I often advise my students to, to use sticky notes by their bed just to remind them, even a sticky note of an intention, like what do I need right now can make all the difference in a day. 
So remembering to do it. And then, you know, the mind resists change, even positive change. The mind considers home what's familiar, even if what's familiar doesn't feel good. So there will often be resistance. So even if we do remember, there can be resistance to practice. So we have to work with where's our willingness? Can I, can I sit for 10 minutes? But if, if there's any way, you know, to, to establish a daily practice, habituate it by making it the same time of day every day, make it rewarding by making it comfortable and friendly and pleasant as you can. And then moving with reminding yourself and, 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 and gently working with your willingness to move through resistance. So those are my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll just um, add one thing. Uh, and it, it kind of uh, is also related to the question about uh, how do, how do Dharma teachers or the Buddha avoid uh, probably not the best word I think you meant to write or deal with or tend to vicarious trauma. Um, you know, it's all, you're doing this for yourself, not to yourself. You're meditating and practicing for yourself. You're not doing it as something that's a chore and that you, you have to put up with. So you want to really know what your limits are and you're, you're meditating as a gift to yourself, for instance, as far as the meditation practice. And if half an hour is too much, just sit for 10 minutes, you know, and feel good about that. And the same way with, with trauma, you, you don't want to go in above your head. There's, you know, if, if you've done any kind of trauma work, there's what's called the window of tolerance where you don't want to go beyond it and get dysregulated, but you don't want to numb and, and avoid. So you want to ideally um, let yourself get in touch with the feelings, but to the extent that you can hold them, whether it's self-compassion or there's the, the practice we don't we have time to go into in detail now called RAIN. I write about it in my book, uh, Awakening Joy. Uh, Tara Brock has a whole book on, on RAIN. She has her own version of it where you're, the feelings are there and you're recognizing them. Oh, this is anger. And you are allowing them. R A is allow. You're just letting them be here a little at a time. You're investigating them, not trying to figure out why they're here, but just letting yourself feel how it feels in your body. And you're becoming friends with that old companion. And then you're non-identifying with them. Uh, Tara talks about it as nurture, where you're seeing that it's part of the human experience and you're holding it with kindness, but you just do it a little at a time and feel good about what you can do and don't get discouraged by what you're not ready to do and what you can't do. So you want to kind of be building on the successes and be cheering yourself on rather than being a hard coach that says, oh, you think you're some hotshot meditator? Yeah, well, how about this? No, no, no. Let go of that and feel good about what you can do. And your, your intention, your sincerity of intention is the key to the whole thing. So let's see, there's lots of questions. We'll have some um, 
we'll have some time later on as well, but um, I want to do one more piece before we take a bit of a break. I know you've been um, very patient and um, here for a little while, maybe just stretch in place because this is a follow-up to what Eve is talking about as far as meta for self. Okay. That's uh, good. Oh, by the way, there was a question I saw about uh, Donna that uh, will the Donna to Insight Berkeley one uh, go to Eve as well? Yes, we are splitting the Donna. So if you send it to Venmo, I'll get half. And if you send it to uh, the uh, Insight Berkeley, Eve will get half. We're just splitting it all. Okay, so here is um, Metta or loving kindness for self that I want to share with you as a practice. Uh, and in fact, right now, I'm going to open up the chat box later on, but right now I'm going to close it because I want to uh, have you do this with me. Okay. First, I'll explain how it came about, and then, and then we'll do it a bit. So Eve beautifully described the loving-kindness practice, and if you're doing it on a loving-kindness retreat, from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed, you're just programming yourself with kind thoughts. May I be safe? May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I live with ease? Thoughts like that. And you're saying three or four thoughts over and over and over, right? And um, I was on a, a long period of practice. It was a six-week period where I decided I would just do loving kindness and what are called the, the, the heart practices, loving kindness and compassion and joy and equanimity. But the first week in this six-week six period, um, I... You do. I was doing loving kindness for myself, as the, as Eve said. That's where generally we start, unless it's hard. Then we get a benefactor. So this first week, I was just sending myself thoughts. You may I be safe? May I be happy? May I be healthy? You know, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but I wasn't giving myself a really hard time, but it was, I was just kind of saying it, okay, maybe safe, happy, healthy. And I was, I was kind of connecting, but not fully connecting. And halfway through this week, somebody came to my mind who I knew really loved me. It was so, I mean, I couldn't deny it. This person for whatever reason, they really loved me. And the thought occurred to me, this would be so much easier if I saw what they saw. And then I magically connected the dots and I asked myself, what do they see? Why do they love me? And that's when I hit upon this particular practice that I wanna share with you. And so you might find it helpful. This is another way to do the loving kindness for ourselves. First, we're going to go inward, and then we're going to um, do a little Zoom self-meta. So I invite you to um, close your eyes for a moment. And like Eve did with the benefactor, but we're going to do a slight different, uh, slight variation of it. 
bring to mind someone with whom you share a really uh, warm, loving relationship, um, if that's possible. Uh, you can, if no one comes to mind, if you have a pet, you could bring your, your pet, your dog, or your cat, whatever pet. And if somebody uh, still doesn't come to mind, you might think of somebody in your past that you shared that connection with and bring them to mind in your consciousness, have an image of them. And just even as you see them, maybe you can see them looking back at you and smiling and saying, oh, thanks for picking me. Don't feel guilty about not picking anybody else. Just, just uh, feel that connection with them that you share or have shared. Each connection is a unique one that we have, all the different people in our lives. Just feel the specialness of this sweet connection that you both share or have shared. And now having, you know, delighted in that connection, if you can imagine looking through their eyes, imagine your consciousness moving and inhabiting their reality. Just imagine what it would be like to be your friend looking back at you with that delight that they have. Who do they see? Why do they enjoy being with you? Notice all the qualities that touch them about you. Maybe your playfulness or your kindness or caring or notice all of it, your creativity, your, your just general goodness. Drink yourself in as one poet says. Really get what shines through you that your friend just delights in. And from their vantage point, just see what they would wish for you. Oh, I hope you see all the goodness inside of you and why I enjoy you so much. And if, you, if it's hard for you to do this, just let whatever your experience be the way it is. This is not a pass-fail test. So just what, to whatever extent, see if you can sense what your friend might see through you, shine through you. And they probably would wish you well. Oh, may you, may you be happy and see what I see. Notice all the things that shine through you. Mostly probably your good heart when you're not caught in contraction. Don't miss it.
delight in it. And now let your consciousness move back from their vantage point to come right inside your own body and from the inside, stay connected to those qualities and wish yourself well, whether it's <clears throat> first person or second person. Oh, may you see the goodness inside of you or may I, whichever feels more resonant and stay connected. This is what other people see. We're usually the last ones to see it. Don't miss what everyone else sees who cares about you and appreciates you. So now what I'd like you to do is um, you would need your camera for this. Um, or if not, if you don't want to put your camera on, then you can just write instead. But um, I'd like you to put your um, pin yourself so you are looking at yourself. I'll do it with me. And the, if you go to the upper right-hand corner, those three dots, and then it says pin. And I often uh, suggest that people do this in a mi in mirror, in a mirror practice daily. But here we have Zoom. We've got the best mirror. It's you are staring right at yourself in real time. And just look at yourself. And try to, you just did it internally, Try to see or look and see what your friend sees. Look for the goodness. You might see all the flaws. Oh, there's that, whether it's appearance or other qualities. Oh, yeah, that's me. No, don't miss what your friend just saw. And send yourself some warm thoughts of appreciation kind of following up what we did this morning, this body, this mind, this good heart. Try to see yourself through your friend's eyes. When I did that practice, uh, while you're doing it, I just want to say when I did that practice and I got it, it wasn't like I was some kind of amazing human being. It was just that what it came down to was, you know, you're a pretty decent guy. That was it. That was all I needed. Just look and see if you can see you're a pretty decent human being and delight in that. She or he or they are good enough just as they are, as Eve sang. This is who your friends see, even if you can't. And just wish yourself well. I'll be quiet for a few moments now.
see your goodness. And wish yourself well. Say hi. Hi to yourself. Hello there. Hello there, decent human being. May you see all the goodness inside of you. And if it's not coming easily, just know this is, this is where your work is. It's okay, be very patient with being just right where you are. Okay, and now come out slowly. And I'd like you now for the next five minutes or so to do a, a you can unpin yourself if you like, or no, you, or you can leave the pinning up there because this is going to be, uh, if you can find something to write with, I'd like you to um, write a letter to yourself. You know, the Dana Falls, that poet that, uh, that I read from so often, all of her poems, she started writing her poems uh, doing a writing workshop where she was asked to start with the sentence, this is what I have to say to you. And then she was like taking dictation from some wiser part of herself. So I want you to write a letter to yourself. Perhaps start with, this is what I want you to know. And then tell yourself what you see or what you saw in, a, in the friendliest way. And we'll just be quiet for about five minutes now. So uh, here's a time to, um, to check in, see what came up from that. And again, if you have any, any questions or anything that, that you want to explore, what happened when you wrote, wrote the letter? Anything on people's minds? And if you can even get a little glimpse of your goodness, then you can't pretend anymore. The jig is up, as I say. You can't hide behind not good enough anymore. Easier to think of things versus when looking at myself. Okay, so find that's you find the way to to do it. Uh, how long did I do this particular practice for? Well, I've been uh, I, I did the the kindness to self. That was for about two years. But this is actually once I started seeing this new perspective it became more and more natural to me. It was, it was not pretending that I'm not good enough. 
And it was also seeing that um, all the habits that bug me about myself, I can have a long list myself. They're all just habits, all these habits of mind or habits of behavior or whatever. They're habits. And all I need to do is get clear on what I want to do to bring out the best in me and have a commitment to keep facing in that direction. Okay. Uh, I love that exercise. Uh, but what about all those people who don't see you as being beautiful? I know they're caught up in their own stuff, but I take it personally sometimes. Is there a way to not take things personally? Yeah, that's what the whole meditation practice is about, not taking it personally. That's that N in RAIN. They are seeing things through their own particular lens. They're seeing their reality. And instead of looking through their eyes, look through the eyes of all the people who love you. You can look through any lens you want. So why not pick one that really supports you? Because you can go looking for the negative. We have what's called a confirmation bias, where, as uh, my friend Rick Hansen says, the mind is like uh, Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. The brain, is, is that's how it works. So it takes training. That's why I teach the Awakening Joy course to look for the good. And that is the main practice. And so when you see or you sense a friend who, or when you sense somebody who is judging you, you wish them well, but you don't have to take that on and stay connected and seeing it through the lens of people who really know you. Uh, I, I'm just remembering now, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll share that later. Uh, I'll see whatever is here. Wonder what we could say to teenagers who are facing extreme bullying. Yeah, it really takes support too. It takes, it, you need to, to find all the support you can get and not be afraid to reach out. That's the loneliest part where we're afraid to reach out and get all that support and mm, feel the empowerment that comes with saying, I deserve to be treated better than that. And to reach out to people who can, who can support you if it's, uh, if it's extreme. Uh, I could see the shining blaze through others' eyes that temper and tempered my tendency to focus on the flaws. Right. Um, let's see, Eve, maybe you can, uh, if there's anything I'm missing, I don't think so. my life has been a... beautiful. Well, you can read the read the wisdom for yourself. And if there are some regret for not knowing this before I am awakening, remorse for decisions made when not loving myself, how to deal with regret? Okay, regret. As I say, I write in my book, that famous line, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. There's no way you can change the past, but everything 
oh, we just had an exchange on this. Everything is part of your curriculum. Everything has gone into making you who you are. So rather than saying, oh, I should have done that, I should have done that, everything has led you up to this moment in your life. And if it's a pretty, if it's a pretty blessed life, don't focus on what could have or should have. If there are ways that you can make it up to somebody who you've harmed or hurt, do it. But you can also have what's called wise remorse, where you see, oh, when I did that, it didn't feel good. So now it's time for me. I know differently. I know a different way. Or as I, I've said uh, just recently, oh, it was in the joy course. If you cringe looking back on all the things you've done, if you go to my book and you read chapter five, it's about all the ways that I blew it. And I really could have did beat myself up for. And when I saw all the awful things that I did when I was younger and I cringed on one loving kindness retreat, oh no, I can't believe I did that. And I can't believe I did that. And then I saw, oh, I'm cringing. That means I'm no longer that person. I can't do now what I, what I was too confused then. Ah, how grateful I am for learning another way. There's nothing wasted, as one of my inspiring uh, people, uh, um, teachers says, as long as you're learning, there, there's no mistakes. Everything is part of your curriculum. So, okay, it might be enough for now. Eve, any, any thoughts, anything you want to? No, I, I, I'm really enjoying your teaching. I think it's, I think it's well said. Great. Well, I'm sharing this from my own mistakes. So here's just something more that uh, the last note before we take a break. If you've been giving yourself a hard time or you're starting to learn to see yourself in a new way, not only will you benefit, but you can be there for others who have those same tendencies, which is probably most of the people that in your life, you can be there. And as I am now saying, I can tell you it's possible to start liking yourself and eventually even loving yourself. I, it's possible. And I, that is what I wish for all of us. Okay, so let's take, uh, how about if we take uh, 15 minutes, okay? as a, a break and we'll come back at uh, 2.55, all right? Enjoy, be nice to yourself. Okay, folks, come on back. We here, put on your cameras if you can, if you're willing to, so I know you're, you're there and you're with me. Good. Hmm. 
Don't be shy. Remember, we're learning to just be ourselves. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, want to follow up and, and continue a bit where where we've gone and where we're going. And um, first say that this is a process. This is not something that you can just all of a sudden switch on the light uh, or turn on the switch and say, okay, now I love myself. It's a slow process. Um, or it doesn't have to be slow. Sometimes it can be a dramatic shift, but don't hurry up and be impatient about the process. Just every time you start to, you can tune into your goodness. You're building on that. This is, uh, I'll start this with a a contemporary prayer. I'm realizing that I'm saying a few things that I've been saying lately on the joy course. So for those who are in the course, uh, pardon the redundancy or the repetition, here's a, a contemporary prayer that uh, I love. Dear God, so far today, I've done okay. I haven't gossiped or lost my temper. I haven't been crabby, mean, nasty, selfish, bitchy, or overindulgent. And I'm very grateful for that. But dear God, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. And then I'm probably going to need a lot more help. Amen. Just uh, to be realistic about this. That's what practice is about. That's why practice is such an important and apt word. We are practicing a new way of seeing things little by little from a lifetime of habits. And so we need to be, um, as I said, very patient and uh, committed to uh, awakening and facing in the right direction. Um, and one of the mm, one of the um, prices to pay for being more aware is that you're more aware, and you're more aware of all the habits that might have been below the radar, other than just oh yeah, I wish that were different and that were different. You start to see how those habits and perspectives have um, concretized. So I want to uh, share with you another uh, really important teaching about this. This is from Be Here Now, uh, the turning point book in my life, as for many people my in my generation by Ramdas. And this is what he has to say about this process of um, awakening, really, and learning more and more. He says, 
as you further purify yourself, as you become more conscious, more conscious, your impurities will seem grosser and larger. Understand that it's not that you're getting more caught in the illusion. It's just that you're seeing it more clearly. The lions guarding the gates of the temples get fiercer as you proceed towards each inner temple. But of course, the light is brighter too. So as you become more aware, you'll see more, you'll see ways that you get lost. And this is where that compassion and patience is so, so key. Uh, I love the line by Pema Chodron, wonderful uh, Buddhist teacher, Tibetan uh, Buddhist teacher. She says, take delight in the awareness that sees the suffering. Take delight that you're being more aware, even if what you're being more aware of is humbling, you're being more aware. And as you're more aware, then you can start to change. And you see, oh, this is just a, a perspective that I've been carrying around that doesn't really serve me. Maybe there's a, a, a deeper truth, like in um, uh, The Course in Miracles, beautiful body of, of Christian uh, wisdom. Uh, one line I love in there says, um, Believing in your littleness is arrogant because it's preferring your own opinion to God's. Believing in your littleness is arrogant because it's preferring your own opinion to God's. But we can have this distorted way of, of seeing things and, uh, and not realize it's not true. You know, uh, Eve mentioned before about the Dalai Lama and uh, about understanding self, not understanding self-loathing or self-hatred. I was there when, uh, when that one incident happened. He had just come to the United States. This was in 1979. Um, and he had uh, just, no, he hadn't yet. I don't know if he'd yet won the Nobel Prize, but it was his first trip to the United States. And he came to the meditation center where I was sitting the uh, one of those long retreats, a three-month retreat, and and he, he came and he did a, a Q and A with everybody, and um, and one person said, uh, "Your Holiness, uh, do you have any advice for dealing with uh, self-loathing?" And there was this back and forth. The the Dalai Lama didn't quite get the question, and the translator tried to explain. They went back and forth until finally he got it. And he looked at this guy and he said, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Can you imagine sitting for two and a half months quietly? And then the Dalai Lama comes along and says, you're wrong. But he said it with tremendous compassion. And he said, what I remember him saying was, what makes you think that 
everything else is part of the fabric of the universe and somehow you don't belong. This is a, a real misunderstanding. You are part of life and there's not another you that's ever been for all of time. And so to really see who you are. <clears throat> so let's start seeing who we are. This is from, uh, let's see. Oh, make sure you're on mute. Um, somebody's noise. Uh, so this is from the great choreographer, Martha Graham. Um, and she was writing to Agnes DeMille, another great dancer. And uh, Agnes DeMille was, um, was asking her about if she's good enough. And, you know, how does one know that one has the talent that it takes and all? And this was uh, Martha Graham's response. It's a beautiful response. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this experience is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is nor how valuable it is, nor how it compares to other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly to keep the channel open. So in that, you get that sense before what I was talking about, that it's yours and, is, and it's not yours, that it's not your business to say, oh, I'm not good enough because then the world doesn't get how life has uniquely expressed itself through you, especially when you're not caught in contraction of not being good enough, when you can just allow that expression of kindness and goodness and wisdom and all of those things that naturally come through when your mind isn't contracted. And somebody asked before about, um, uh, about contraction or constriction. Uh, and the way I see it, it's the whole practice is seeing, is the mind or the body contracted? Because when it's contracted, you block off all that beauty and those expressions. And it gets contracted with fear, with anger, with hatred, with worry, with all of those small unhealthy states that are part of being human. And when it's expansive with kindness and love 
and generosity and compassion and peace and all of those beautiful qualities, all of those beautiful qualities, then they shine through. So it's really a question of either feeling contracted and feeling like you're not enough or starting to open up and, and look for the goodness and see the goodness. And here is the, here's the practice that I, I really want to um, offer you to take to heart. Keep looking for the good. The more you can tune into the goodness inside you and around you, the more you will naturally see it and bring it out. This is what's called the, the confirmation bias. Your brain will notice what it looks for. And if you're looking for how you're no good or how others around you are going to disappoint you or you're looking for their flaws, that's what the brain picks up and it misses all the goodness. And so it's a training in looking for what's good. You can see for this for yourself about this as I often use this example, suppose somebody comes into a room that you're in and you sense that they're looking for all your flaws and they're seeing you with judgment. You ever have that feeling? Somebody walks in and you just sense that they're checking you up and down with a little bit of a, a judging mind. How do you feel? yuck, flawed, or on the defensive. All they had to do was look for what's wrong, and you sense that. How different it is, somebody else comes into that room, and they might know your foibles and your shortcomings or whatever, but you sense they are tuning into how beautiful you are. How does that feel when you know that somebody is seeing you and delighting in who you are? How do you feel? You feel beautiful. So if that's so from, the, from uh, being on the receiving end, just see you have some agency here. You have control if you practice what you look for, you will not only find because the brain will be tuned into that, but you also have a power in bringing it out in others. Isn't that great? That you can bring that out in others just by looking for it. And when you bring it out in others, of course, how are you going to feel being around the people who are just feeling your warmth and, and, and love? Oh, it's a loving energy. It's like a feedback loop. So you find what you look for because you're also affecting the field around you. Okay, 
it's um, I'm remembering there's um, this Henry Ford quote. He says, he said, there are those who think they can and those who think they can't. And they're both right. Because if you're thinking about how you can't, that shuts you down. And if you think about how you can, that gives you inspiration. Or there's a, another line I love from um, Oliver Wendell Holmes, the really um, um, brilliant um, mind who was also a Supreme Court justice. He said, uh, a mind stretched by a new idea does not shrink back to its original dimensions. And if you start to look for the good and you make that part of your practice, I'm here to tell you it works. It's all about practicing habits of mind. So if you start looking for the good around you and the miracles around you, we just did the did gratitude in the in the joy course, and you start looking for, as Albert Einstein says, there's two ways to go through life. One is seeing nothing as a miracle, and the other is seeing everything as a miracle. If you start looking for how life is a miracle all around you, you will be inspired and don't miss it out in here. So you've got to have your own self as the starting point. Oh my goodness, I'm alive. How amazing. All of this amazing stuff happening through me. So I want to um, I want to do a couple of things in in in, in uh, the next few minutes. One is another meditation about gratitude for oneself. It's a kind of follow up on what I did earlier, but a little bit more deeply. And this is in um, my book Awakening Joy. And this is a, a beautiful meditation that um, my dear friend Patricia Ellsberg put together for the Joy Course. Um, and I invite you to settle back and start looking at the miracle inside of you. You might take a few deep relaxing breaths and connect. Know that you're alive, know that you're sitting here. This meditation is called Open in Gratitude by Patricia Ellsberg. Open in gratitude for the breath that nourishes every cell in your body and has sustained you from the moment you were born. For the miracle of your body that despite whatever weaknesses or limitations serves you and allows you to sense the wonders of the world. For your brain that coordinates all the functions of your body, 
without you even being aware of it. Open in gratitude for consciousness that allows you to perceive, feel, and be amazed. For the eyes that you were given that allow you to see the abounding beauty that surrounds you, colors and shapes, the face of a loved one, for the ears that enable you to hear birds singing, wind rustling in the leaves, words people say to you, and the laughter of children. For the sense of smell that allows you to enjoy the fragrance of flowers, the scent of fresh air, your favorite food. Open in gratitude for your mouth and tongue that enable you to taste the fruits of the earth, to enjoy a ripe peach or chocolate melting in your mouth. Open in gratitude for the skin that protects you and yet allows you to touch and sense the world, feel warmth, coolness, softness, and the touch of a loved one. For your heart that beats faithfully your whole life from even before you were born. Open to a sense of wonder and gratitude for the amazing gift of being awake and alive in this precious human form. The fact that we exist or that anything exists at all is a wondrous mystery. We all live in the midst of a miracle, open in gratitude. gently come out. So this is part of the, the process to start looking for the good, seeing it around you, 
and inside of you. And seeing that the more you are in touch with it, the more you can make a real contribution in, in the world. I want to share with you, maybe it's a quote that you're, uh, it's a quote I love that maybe you're familiar with, uh, Marianne Williamson. She says, we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates everyone we know. So looking for the good, this is a, a practice now I want to um, I want to do with you another little zoom practice. Uh, it's fun. you can play around with zoom in ways that you can't if you're in a room with with others because nobody knows who you're looking at or you don't have to know who's looking at you, but we're going to be looking at each other with with loving eyes, okay? Oh, uh, can you give the author of the Graham Coat? Oh, of the Gratitude Poem. Uh, that's, um, yeah, it's in Awakening Joy, Patricia Ellsberg. Um, wait, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna turn off the, uh, for a little while. I'm just gonna, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna turn, turn off the chat because I wanna have you all focus on this. Okay. And this is a practice that, hmm, let's see, it's actually, there's a, it's, it's a two-part practice. Okay. This is a practice that's one of my main practices um, that I've been doing for some time and that I highly recommend. I just want to make sure we're on track here for time. Um, it's a Tibetan practice and I have my own variation of this. And the practice is this in, in uh, Tibetan practices, they say, see everyone as your benefactor, see everyone as your, as your, your father or mother, good father or mother, uh, see everyone as being um, of benefit to you in your life. They, they are your benefactors. You have, um, your, your life is richer for them. And this is the practice. 
that I've done. I write about it in my book as well. Whenever anyone smiles at you, says hi to you in a very mm, uh, friendly way, hi, how you doing? Okay. And they are warm to you or they open up a door, simple things that happen all the time. Whenever anyone has any goodwill towards you, don't miss it. And here's the practice to really feel that connection with that other person. And on a deeper level, to see that they are an agent of life, letting you know that you are loved. That it is life saying to you, you are worthy of this hello or of this uh, warm gesture. And if you start to connect and tune into all the goodness coming your way, see, a lot of times the hard part for people isn't so much loving, it's letting in the love. That is often more of a challenge than sending it out. So this is the practice of really letting it in. And once you start tuning into it and laying it in, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And in fact, you'll be so filled that you can't hold it all. What can you do with it? The only thing to do is just send it back out. And what I, I, I call, you become a meta recycling machine where there's goodwill coming towards you and you just let it out and you're just moving it around. And it doesn't belong to anybody. It's all just love finding itself, one could say, right? So letting in love, letting in the goodwill and sending it out. So here's the two-part practice, okay? Now here's where first, um, uh, it helps to have your camera on uh, if you wanna have that receiving end of things. Uh, the first part, though, is uh, sending the love, okay? And we can, we can, if you want, you can play both, both ends, but uh, you can both be sending and receiving. But first, we'll just try uh, sending. That's a little bit easier. So take a look at the screen in front of you. And if you're, well, you're, if you you're probably on the first few pages wherever you are, so you'll see some videos. But if you go through for later pages, and if you have your camera on, then you will be participating a bit more in this. If you don't, don't, don't feel guilty or anything. Just uh, that's the way it is. But I'd like you to um, first look at, the, look at the screen in front of you, all of these people. and just wish them well. Everyone who just wants to be happy like you and just send some goodwill to them all. 
may you be happy and see your goodness inside. And now mm, I'd like you to pin one person on your screen that has a video, their video camera on. Pin one person so that they are your practice for loving kindness. Okay. And I'm going to take you through. You see, you don't have to feel self-conscious. They don't know that you're staring at them. It's kind of a, a stealth uh, a meta stalker, uh, but in a good sense, right? So uh, you're, you're wishing goodwill, remember. So I'll take you through a little bit of a, of a practice, okay? So first, see this person. And we'll go through the different Brahma Viharas, the different um, um, heart practices. So first see this person and imagine if you don't know them, all the, the beautiful qualities that, that they might have, that they have to offer this world. And just wish them well. May you share your love well. I'll just say a few phrases that come to me. May you um, see all the goodness inside and share it with the world. May you be happy. I'll be quiet for a moment. Just wish those kinds of thoughts to them. Okay, and now you can close your eyes and notice how good it feels to just wish someone well. Nothing in it for you other than that well-wishing. This is the, the divine abode of metta, of goodwill, of kindness. Okay, now take a nice breath. And now open your eyes once again and look at them through a different lens. Same person again. And just see this person has... Um, has had disappointments in their life and losses and has cried and has known suffering just like you. And as you tune into that aspect of them, notice what the heart does, probably responding with caring, compassion, and saying some phrases like, may you hold your sorrow with compassion, with kindness. I care about your suffering in this moment. I want you to know that.
may you be free of suffering and come to healing. Tune into the caring heart. And then if you like, you can close your eyes. This is the heart of compassion, of caring. And even if it's meeting suffering, there's a sweetness and a tenderness that we can care. Okay, take a nice deep breath. And now open your eyes once again, and we'll look through another lens at this same person. This person has known joy and laughter and success and delight. This person has known happiness and just tune into that moving through them and delighting in their happiness and wishing them for that to increase. May your happiness continue and may your happiness grow. May it continue and may it grow. And you might imagine them smiling and laughing and delighting and how good that is for everybody to feel. May your happiness continue and grow. Okay, and now you can close your eyes and go inside. This is the happiness of sympathetic joy, it's called. Happiness of joy and the happiness of others. And then finally, you can open your eyes, take a breath. This person has known their ups and their downs and their highs and their lows. This person has been learning the lessons that they've needed to learn throughout their whole life. And wish them balance as they go through it and let them have their own journey. It's not up to you to make it better or to fix them. May you have balance as you go through life and I honor your journey just as it is. And just tune into allowing them to be on their own journey. And now from that place, you can go inside and wish them balance this is the happiness of equanimity, balance. Okay, and now 
you can open your eyes. And if you had your camera on, likely somebody was wishing that for you. So for just the last few moments, receive that goodwill coming to you and let it in. Don't block it. That wouldn't be fair to them or you. Let yourself receive the goodwill that you had so easily for others. Let yourself take it in right now. You can unpin your, in fact, unpin your, the, the, the screen and go to gallery view and wish well and feel everybody wishing you well. If you have your camera on, take it in, let it in. Here's your practice. This is how you make friends, not just with yourself, but with everyone. That becomes your gift, taking it in for everyone, from everyone. I hope you take that as a practice these next days, weeks, decades in your life. Okay, so we're going to have some open, some Q&A in a few moments, and we're going to have uh, um, um, some music at the end as well. But before we do, let me get back to the page with uh, Eve on. Um, Eve, now once again, we're going to share the um, those announcements, in particular, the the Donna, um, and there's no right amount, but if you find that this is valuable, um, this is how Eve and I have supported ourselves um, in our teaching. And whatever amount, the idea is for you to feel good in that gesture of generosity. Uh, and there's the PayPal instructions, Insight Berkeley One at Gmail. Uh, there's the Venmo, if you prefer Venmo, to Eve. Uh, make sure you're muted on here. Uh, they're at Eve Decker with a dash in. And there's the last four digits of the phone. Sometimes that is, uh, that's asked. And if you want to send a check, you can make it out to me. I'll split it with Eve. You can be sure. Uh, and there's my address, 661 Nielsen Street, Berkeley, California, 94707. And um, it's really gratefully received. Um, it, it's been, it, it's a real pleasure. And even I enjoyed um, preparing and putting this day together. Uh, so that in itself is a blessing. And uh, if you want to support this happening and we can just put 
these day longs out in this way, um, it really does make a difference. So it's, it's gratefully received. Um, Eve, anything you want to say? Um, well, no, just thank you so much um, for your support. It, it really does make a difference. It allows us to, to do day longs like this. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, that's kind of it. Just okay. gratitude. And again, you can, uh, if you want to take a screenshot, there's the Thursday night Sangha. Come join us. Uh, it's, it's great to sit together. We do this uh, every week for an hour and a half. Um, and then there's those <clears throat> upcoming events, <clears throat> the Conscious Men's Gathering. And it was pointed out that that is Mother's Day. So um, it, it's just an hour and a half. Oh, I put the wrong time. I'm sorry. It's 10 to 11.30. I switched the time. Uh, so it's 10 to 11.30, uh, just to make it a little bit easier for people in Europe and uh, get going on your day. And we'll have more conscious men's gatherings as well. So maybe for Mother's Day, you can just take a, an hour and a half and then really focus everything you can on your mom, or we'll have others. And there's that day-long Chicago Insight on equanimity, uh, also, we're doing it in that same vein, uh, a day long, no charge, and just for Donna. And there are those Eve's events, her sit and sing drop in on Tuesdays, wise speech class that she's holding in May and June, a few different times, and the uh, online day long retreat, sacred reminders, uh, May 8th. So it says Sunday, May 8th. So I think May 9th, it's Sunday is May 9th. Oh, it should say Saturday. Wow. There you go. Loving myself with my imperfections. There you go. <laughs> Glad I caught it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, at this point, we thought that we would uh, just open it up. There's any... Um, questions or reflections, um, Q&A for the day or anything that you want to bring up. We, we have a little bit of, of time. Um, again, you can either use the reactions and raise your hand if you want to do it live or if you want to put it in the chat room. I've got to open up the chat now. I know. I just realized. Okay. The chat is open. So anything that you want to bring up, ask about, share. Isabel, hi, you can unmute yourself and, um, and just speak. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both so much. Um, and I wanted to, like, loving kindness practice has changed my life so much for the better. Um, I think the Dalai Lama had it right when he was shocked that we, about the self-loathing and the fact that sometimes you don't even know how deeply that's affected you and loving kindness, it gets in there quietly, silently, stealthily, and it changes how you live and people see you differently. And mm -hmm. it's actually a, such a powerful, powerful practice. It's almost frightening how much you can change in your life with that practice. Mm -hmm. So Rick Hansen was the one who asked, he said, you know, he advised that I do it. And I said, no, no, no. I don't want to do meta. It's for wimps. And 
Wow. So I just so appreciate you sharing that and everything that Eve said. It's such a beautiful wow. day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm an old uh, Beatles fan and the Beatles had it right. All you need is love. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, the, the, the Dalai Lama wa was not so different when he said, my religion is kindness. That's, it's the same thing. So um, thank you. Okay, what else? Um, there's uh, one here about having a lot of thoughts. Okay. Working. Yeah. I see. Uh, I have a lot of difficulty uh, not constantly having endless thoughts. I'm not new to meditation, but I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Not noticing positive change or increased ability to focus my mind, which keeps me from wanting to meditate. Any suggestions? Uh, and this is Barbara. Okay. Uh, Barbara, are you, um, do you want to have a dialogue or um, do you, um, we can just... If you want to unmute yourself, you can. Yes, we could do that. Okay, great. Where are you? Let's see. Um, keep on talking and then you'll... Um, oh, whoops. I keep turning my camera on and off by mistake. There we go. So uh, I don't see you though. Let's see. I'm uh, waving. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, there you are. Oh, wait. Sit. Wave again. Talk a little bit more. Okay. Can you... Have you got me? I think there's several Barbaras. So. But I'm looking for. Um, if you um, put it on speaker view, she'll she'll come oh, center yeah. when she speaks. Of course, huh? An old Zoomer like me. Okay, now start speaking again. Okay, <laughs> can you see me now? There you are. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so um, yeah, you have many thoughts. Let me ask you something. Uh, when you see your mind wandering, how do you um, how do you respond to it? Well, I just, I try, I come back to either watching my breath or whatever, but, um, but then I'm like, then it's off again. Okay. Before you come back, what's your response to the fact that your mind has wandered? Is it annoyed or frustrating not generally, not overall, not at the very moment that I'm having those thoughts. It's kind of at the end of the, after I've been doing it for a while or at the end of the meditation, then it is much, then it tends to get towards more frustration or annoyance, or it's like, why am I doing this? At how long have you been uh, practicing? Oh, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> yeah, let go of the shame and just be real. <laughs> Very intermittently. Um, well, in terms of Buddhist meditation, over 30 years. For okay. a, When I was in my 20s, I did TM, and that I had no problem with. So uh, let me ask you, when you, um, uh, why, why do you keep on doing it? Why have you kept on doing it? Um, hopefulness. Has anything... A, a value come from it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can calm, I can certainly quiet my body and calm my body for the most part. Although one time when I was going through a period of a lot of agitation, I had a lot of trouble doing even that. 
but now you can maybe more than you did 30 years ago, uh, calm down your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you have, um, uh, do you have any greater understanding of, uh, the mind going this way and that? Understanding of it going this way and that. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a greater understanding that the mind just can be all over the place, right? You, that one you've seen. Yes. Right. And how many people do you think share that with you? Um, probably there are a number. Let me just ask, uh, I'm going to put it on the gallery view. Uh, if people uh, find that their minds are busier than they'd like them to be, could you raise your hand? Why don't you go through the uh, go through a few of the uh, the pages? Huh? Seems like you got a lot of company here. So um, here's the thing, Barbara. You're not alone. This is how the mind works, and taking it personally is the problem. If you went on a retreat. Have you ever gone on a retreat? Yes. And when you've gone on a retreat after, uh, have you gone on a retreat longer than three days? Um, yes. And when you went on a retreat for what was it, like a week or so? One time it was five days, another time, yeah, it was like 10 days. I think. Was, that, was that valuable? I kept falling asleep. Mm, okay. During the meditations. Well, for, for most people, it takes about three days to just land in the present. This is just a reality check here. For most people, it takes bringing your mind back in a very loving, gent uh, gentle way, patient way for there to be um, a settling down and there's actually string of moments of mindfulness. So what you're seeing is just the way the mind works. The problem is taking it personally. And after a while, if you, at the end of the meditation, instead of you feeling, oh gosh, there I was wandering again, you tune into the fact that, oh, I've put my time in to just tuning into this mind and body and let go of the report card you will have a very different relationship with the meditation. Because to the extent that you're frustrated that your mind wanders, it's not going to be your friend. And to the extent that you can see, oh, look at the mind instead of look at my mind. As soon as you're going, look at my mind, you're caught in taking it personally. But if you say, wow, Look at the mind. It changes everything. For me, a turning point in my meditation practice was realizing I have no control over how concentrated or mindful I am. The one thing I have control over, two things. One, the intention to be here. And when I realize I've gone, to bring myself back in a very loving way. That's my end of the deal and to not take it personally. So I would really encourage you to let go of the report card and just know that you're training. It's like training the puppy dog. You probably know that, that 
example, where you're training a puppy dog to come back each time. That is where the training is. If you bring it back with love and develop a healthy relationship with it, that's the key. So. Thanks. I, I think I appreciate that. I, I wondering, I'm worried more about the motivation part. Yeah. Well, that's the key. That, that, that's where you've got to get in touch. Your sincerity of motivation means everything. And you might just say, well, if I didn't meditate, maybe I shouldn't meditate for a year and see what that's like and see if that's any better. But you might find, oh gosh, maybe I'm a little bit more connected when I do. So it really does come down to um, motivation and sincerity. Okay, I'm going to put in my time here. Even if it looks like I'm getting nowhere. Even if it looks like you're getting nowhere, especially if it looks like you're getting nowhere, I'm just putting in my time because I value being more conscious. Even if it's conscious about how crazy that mind is and you're not taking it personally. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay, let's see. Uh, I can respond quickly to one more question here. Um, Somebody was asking about having a regular gratitude practice without bypassing action. And first of all, yes, a regular daily gratitude practice is highly recommended and very powerful. Um, However you do that, writing three things you're grateful for at the end of the day, or having an email buddy that you send gratitudes to, or, um, you know, counting gratitudes on your fingers. Intentional gratitude practice is another superpower in terms of uplifting the heart. And it does not in any way need to uh, cause a bypassing of action. We can be used to having a motivation for compassionate action by being in touch with suffering. Gratitude doesn't minimize or deny suffering. It simply restores our resilience so that we have the capacity to meet suffering without getting crushed by it. So, um, And also when we're bringing gratitude to things, we feel the poignancy and the preciousness of them more more deeply. So for example, if you love redwood trees and you spend spend time or whatever kind of tree where you live, the types of trees you have that you love, spend time with them, loving them, really grateful for the trees then we're really in touch with that love and that gratitude and motivated to protect them and to take action to protect them, to join committees and give money and, you know, go to, go to events to support the trees. So gratitude is actually an ally for compassionate action and um, allows us to be restored and replenished as well. So that would be my response to that. I think we have to stop with answering questions, though. We do. But uh, but one thing, something that we can have, by the way, that was a beautiful answer. I want to just echo that this loving yourself is about that you'll have that much more to give to the world. Hmm. Um, So even I uh, thought that perhaps as we're uh, coming to the end of the day, you could put something in the chat box about one thing that you might take with you to incorporate in your practice from today. And while you're doing that, uh, here's a, a, a song that I invite you to sing, although you have to have your 
uh, your mute on so that, uh, cause you can't do it that way. Uh, we're all singing together and look at, uh, you can look at the people's responses. Oh, these are beautiful. And we're going to sing a song that I think you all know. It's basically the, uh, the principle of what we're talking about today. This little light of mine. Okay. You know that one, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you can pardon my singing, but the best way to pardon it is if you're singing, then you won't be focusing so much on my singing. Then we'll close and even we'll close with a dedication. Okay. This little light of mine, I want to see you singing. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Have your mute on all around the world. I'm going to let it shine all around the world. I'm going to let it shine all around the world. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everyone I meet, to everyone I meet, I'm going to let it shine. Everyone I meet, I'm going to let it shine. Everyone I meet, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Make sure your mute is on. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. That's your instructions. <laughs> and we'll have Eve uh, give a dedication of merit for the day in a beautiful song, please, Eve. All right. So dedication means generosity. And merit means all the good energy that we've created today in this beautiful day of practice, this beautiful circle of beautiful hearts and people. So we take this good energy and we offer it out to the world in a gesture of generosity. May the merit of our time together be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May every living being, our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward 
May all who sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. Remember, we are part of all beings. May we be free.